Well, you know, it's been told many times that we live in this world, but we should not be of it. Uh, it's kind of like we should be the ark, just floating above all the world and the world system and the way of thinking. But uh, I think we really struggle with that. I think the system of the world gets in us and the way of thinking of the world gets in us. There's a term, I don't know if you ever heard of it, um, they call certain people movers and shakers. It's supposedly these are people that get things done powerful people. They have the clout to move things along, projects at times that seem to get log jammed (coughs) or tied up in red tape. These people come along with their power and their influence and kind of just shake things loose. They have tremendous clout. So therefore, they've been called movers and shakers. There are the financial movers and shakers, such as the Rockefellers, Rothschild, J. Paul Getty, all these names that you've heard before. Political movers and shakers, such as the Speaker of the House, the President, and I always mention the Kennedys. Remember the name Kennedys and how it, even Rush Limbaugh now can be mentioned. Um, But I'm not impressed with those kinds of movers and shakers. So we're going to give you some examples, just regular, everyday people in unbelievable circumstances. I think sometimes we just kind of read the Word of God and just kind of glaze over or something or I don't know what it is. We just tend to not grasp it at times. There were, they were in dire straits, worse than what we are, even though we are heading in that direction. Worse than what they are. And it's stories and accounts in the Word of God are written in here for you and I for an example and also to give us hope. To give us hope that God can use a nobody to do something awesome for Him. Remember my little basket here? I had all kinds of little goodies in there and uh, one was just a plain old rock. Remember the big old rock, no brains, no nothing, it never moved, just sat under there, never did anything. Yet God said, if you refuse to worship and praise me, that rock would cry out. And so the idea is, here, man, God, if, if you can use a rock, then please, you can use us. You can use us. And you need to start getting that confidence back that we talked about this morning that God can use you, not because of who you are, but because of who He is. That He can use you and that God could speak to you and things start to move and shake because of you. You've got to believe that. And until you do, you will not go after it. You will not pray like you should or worship like you should or even understand like you should. You are not here just to breathe and take up space and time. So let's look at some examples. And as we look at these examples, remember the dispensation or the age they're in or the difficulties or all the mounting circumstances that are against them. First one is Daniel 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar. Remember him? King of Babylon. And he besieged Jerusalem. He just took them all. And the Lord gave him Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands. It says, With part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. In other words, he just came, ransacked the people of God, the house of God, took all their wealth and put it in his idol worship house of God. So it has yet to happen here. It might, but already we can see that this is an absolute worst situation. And then the king speaks to this guy, the master of his eunuchs, 
that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes. In other words, they're going to start choosing out the choice of the people. And it almost reminded me of Hitler. Remember how Hitler was going to build that superior race. If you were of mixed nationality, he didn't care, but they just killed you. If you were a Jew, he didn't care, he would just kill you. You had to be a certain type of people, a certain kind. And this is kind of like the pre-runner of Hitler. He said, I, I want children in whom has no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge, understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach and learn the tongue of the Chaldeans. He said, I'm going to take the cream of the crop, and I'm going to change them into us. And if you weren't in that cream of crop, you just annihilated or threw you in some prison somewhere. It's kind of like how Hitler did. And Daniel 1.6 says this, partway through the verse. It says, Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel. So here's this first guy. Here's Daniel. Let's look at Daniel's situation. Let's look at his life. He's intelligent. Daniel was intelligent, skillful in all wisdom and knowledge. He was of royal blood, king seed. So he was fitting the bill of what they were looking for. Apparently he's good looking, no blemish, well favored. I don't know whether he was tall or whatever he was, but he was one that they picked out. And he was living in captivity, living in a strange country. But they chose him. Everything that the world wants, everything that the world longs for, they saw in Daniel. And so Daniel had this unbelievable opportunity while all the rest of the people were in captivity moving along because they didn't measure up in the world's eyes. But the movers and the shakers and the political power and the military might liked what they saw in Daniel. And so they fingered him out to become one of them. And we see Daniel's response in Daniel 1.8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. Daniel said, no, sir, I'm not going to bow and become part of what you want me to become. And I can relate that to our, our teenagers. There's nothing more stirring to us adults to see a teenager that doesn't go the normal route, that doesn't do whatever the dumb fad is at that moment. And as our group that we put before us this morning, as they go on to their various things in college and higher education, the world statistics tell us that 8 out of 10 of them will turn their back on God and go the way of the world. That's what it tells us. And so when we see ours, or Daniel said, I'm going to purpose in my heart, I'm not going to eat what the world's given. So here we see, because of one person's refusal to go the way of the world, a lot of moving and shaking started to happen because of one young man. Just one. That's all it is, just one. Just one. I told someone this morning, can't remember who it was, they were stirred by the message, and I said, look, we hear these hor horrific stories about acres and acres and homes destroyed in California because of wildfire. And all those fires are started by one little, maybe even misguided, 
spark. And then you have this raging fire. Same thing can happen to the move of God. One little spark can start this huge fire for God that we're longing for. One person who refuses to go the way. And so we're going to look at the account of Daniel. And in the lion's den, you know all the story. We're just going to read some of it. But we kind of miss, I think, maybe the, the main part. Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel knew that the writings were signed, he went into his house and his windows. What writings? They were passing along a law that said, No more praying. Have we have laws like that in this land? We have chaplains in the military being discharged, thrown out because they want to pray in the name of Jesus. We have people being told at graduations. We have coaches on football teams or soccer teams. One child got hurt badly. I think might have been playing soccer or something, kicked in the head or whatever. Coach ran out, was uh, attempting to help the child and decided to pray for the child. He lost his job. And so this, this is happening in our land. I want you to relate to it so that you can go from the time of Daniel and fast forward all the way to now, 2013. It is happening. For years we proclaim it's going to. Now it is. It's right here. And so he saw this law and he purposed in his heart and knew that the writing was signed that it became law. He went into his house and his windows being opened in his chambers toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. Gave thanks before God as he did all the other times. Those that thought they were the movers and the shakers used their clout and influence to, uh, of the king. Saying, what? You see what this guy's doing? They had all the power. They had all the votes. They had all the political power, all the military might, all the influence, all the high positions. And there's just little old Daniel praying outside a window. Like he always did. So they were using their power to influence the passing of these certain laws. So Daniel 6.14 goes, Then the king, when he heard these words, were sore displeased because he liked Daniel. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him, trying to figure out a way how he would not have to obey his own law. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king established may be changed. He's got to go, king. You signed it. The movers and the shakers. As the king was starting to drag his feet, I'm not real sure about this. They came with their clout, their influence, their votes. And put the pressure on, and the king succumbed to it. So they were using their power. The passing of laws contrary to Christian belief. Just like we have in our land now. So the king bows to this pressure, and in the lion den he goes. We know the story that God intervenes. And stops the mouth of lions. Just stops them. Lions that were kept hungry for this very purpose didn't eat. Because God said, not today. Now, God made Daniel the real shaker and mover in this story. So out he comes. The king sees it. The king gets 
ticked at those who made him pass the law, threw them in the lion's den, and the lions instantly ate them and tore them in pieces. But look what this king, in a position that none of us can get to or influence, none of our votes works, none of the moral majority, nothing worked. The king looks at Daniel after this episode. The king Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. It's the same situation we're in right now. It looks like we don't have the upper hand. He said, for he, for he is the living God, steadfast forever, and His kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, His dominion shall be even unto the end. Oh, and it came from one guy who had great opportunity. The world was lusting after them. Sometimes we watch those shows where you can sing the best, you'll be selected all the way to the end. There's a whole bunch of them on now. And sometimes you start, if you watch them enough, you kind of like a certain person. And if I do that and I start liking a certain person, I almost start praying that he don't win. Because they'll ruin him. They'll destroy him. He'll take his life. He'll become a drug addict. He'll be snorting by the time he's 16. And that's what Daniel, they were offering. Look, this whole everything we got yours because you fit the bill. And Daniel purposed in his heart and said, no, 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 I want nothing to do with it. And then Daniel finds himself going into the lion's den. Life's it, that's it, it's all over. I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. But God does a tremendous miracle using this one guy, the king of the entire nation, makes a decree and says, Daniel's God is God of the land. You understand that can happen here. Look at it. I like that response better than amen, Jim. Wow. Because we can tend to lose sight. We've lost confidence in God like we talked about this morning. This was a horrible situation. None of us yet have been thrown in prison for praying. Let me give you another example. How about King Ahab? 1 Kings 16. And you can see how you can almost be, you're talking about America in these scriptures now. Never before, never before ever like this. Ruth and I sometimes, we always try to watch those old shows, and a lot of times we just stare at each other when the old show's coming from Hollywood. And all of a sudden, they're reading scripture. Or they're talking about the Bible, if they would have just believed the Bible. We're like, America used to say stuff like this? It's in the black and white movies. Ruth was saying, watch, watch, watch the end of this. Watch the end of this show. Scripture will come up. And it did. And I almost weep thinking where we've come from to where we are now. I find myself wishing and longing I was living back then. So here we are, King Ahab, 1 Kings 16. Starting in verse 29, it says, And in the 30th and 8th year of Asa, King of Judah began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. I know they didn't vote, but he gets voted in. 
He reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. 22 years under ungodly leadership. And Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Is anything like this going on in our land? Those of you who have has a few years under your belt would all say, stand up and say, I've never seen anything like this before ever. Where our own Senate refuses to obey the law about having to have a, um, what's it called? Do you have to have a balance sheet or whatever it is? Uh, budget. Every year have to have a budget and we're not doing it. Because they're using it for political power against something else. Never been done ever before. What do you mean you're not doing it? It's a law. We're not doing it. It's amazing. And it's, we can see it right here. Ever that was ever done before. Now we got people logging what you're talking on the phone and all these eavesdropping and all these various things going on. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is really getting bad. Never ever before. Just like the Israelites were saying back when King Ahab put his hand on it and swore he'd run the country, so help me God. Whatever he did. Verse 31, and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing. It's a light thing now. For him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebet. And he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. It's a light thing, the laws they're passing. A light thing. It's insane. Just insane what's going on in our land. Just totally. It's beyond imagination. And not only that, verse 32 And he reared up an altar to Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. We're finding out now the IRS is throwing these big wild parties, cost American taxpayers $50 million. Just throwing parties. $50 million. The house of Baal. Bowing bowing down to uh, altars and drink and uh, playing around. And there's big sex scandals in this other department. And it's like... What is going on? Remember, the office of the president had some respect and honor, and it's out the door. And it's been going that way, just not now. And Ahab, verse 33 says, And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Now we have our leadership bowing to the arch enemy of the Jews. And when the Jews want to come talk to us, he goes, no. Do you understand you're provoking Almighty God? You're provoking God. Than ever before. So I want you to see how these people were in it and now we're in it. God says, you mess with the Jews, you're messing with the apple of my eye. Which is like sticking your finger in the eye of God. Take that, God. Like we're somebody. So Ahab now marries Jezebel. And this unholy couple reigned 22 years. 
Jezebel soon acquires complete control over her husband. And we see a lot of that. Complete control over him. She was the real mover and shaker. She was on the who's who's list. She's a modern 21st century woman. She'd get things done, by golly. She established the worship of Phoenician idols. Idol worship to the rain god of Baal. This is what she was doing in their administration, or whatever you want to call it. Persecution became so severe against the people of God that some were expelled from the land. Others were killed, and still others hid in caves that we were talking about this morning, fearing for their lives under this 22-year reign of walking in the sin that made the people go, what is going on? So strong was the tide of corruption. It, it seems like we're having an investigation every day. And what do you do? And what do I do? I go, they're never going to do nothing. They're never going to find somebody. They're never going to whatever. Just, I don't know what this is, just for TV or what it is for. We never find anything done right. And so here we are. It's saying, back in their day, so strong was the tide of corruption that it appeared as if the knowledge of the true God would be lost among the whole land. Kind of like it is now. Anything goes except promoting Christianity. Anything. Proverbs 29.2 And if you listen real quietly and put your ear to the ground of America, you can hear the people. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Oh, 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 God, oh. Even those who don't know God. Remember I mentioned to you someone put on Facebook and I pasted and copied that thing, the Statue of Liberty, going like this. What have we become? Never seen that ever before in my life as an American. And yet, I believe it now. What have we become? But God has his movers and shakers. God does. All the odds were against them. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't put it past sometimes the corruption that you just be eliminated. You have some timely accident or something. I just wouldn't put it past that anymore. Back then, they didn't even care if you saw it. And if you protested, they'd take you out. You didn't tell the king anything. But God has his movers and shakers. They're just folks. Nowhere ever in the Bible do you hear of Elisha the Titbite till now. You never hear of him before. He's growing up. He's on deck. He's going to be awesome for God. He's nothing. He's nowhere mentioned. And all of a sudden, at this time, this darkness, Elisha the Tishbite. That's what it says in 1 Kings 17.1. And Elisha the Tishbite, who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. All of a sudden, he's on the scene, barking against the evil. And remember, Elijah means God is Jehovah. 
So whenever he was announced to come into the court of Ahab and Jezebel, they would have to say, God is Jehovah coming in. When in their whole reign and terror was they were trying to eliminate the influence of Christianity or God Jehovah. So what's God do? He sends somebody whose name is God's Jehovah. I think that's hilarious. I think that's awesome. God's got to have a funny bone. They're trying to push me out when I'm everywhere. They're making these silly laws just like in our nation. How do you push someone out that's everywhere? And so God sends a man called God is Jehovah is here to see you. I love this. Jezebel now is having her way in everything. Passing and making laws to enhance her belief, her agenda. Ashroth, pulls, all kind of things going up, doing things that have never been done before by any president or any king. Using the position for gain. Remember Naboth's vineyard? This is a guy who had this cool vineyard. And the king moaned and cried and wanted the vineyard. So Jezebel went, you weakling. She went out, killed the guy, gave him the vineyard. Happy birthday. Used their power and their clout to take things, to acquire wealth. It seemed absolutely hopeless. Like now. Just like now. And then all of a sudden, the prophet comes on the scene. Elijah speaks. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these three years, according to my word. Man, you talk about getting out on a limb. Buddy, your rain stops now. No rain, nothing. Everything's going to dry up. A lot of people moan and complain when it rains on their picnic. And I don't. I just keep saying, God, thank you for the rain. Pretty dry out there now. Doesn't take long. Summer's not even officially here yet. And it's pretty dry. If I walk on the grass to get the mail, it's kind of. I mean, all God's got to do is go, no rain. That's it. You want to act like a fool, tell there's no God, no rain. And this is exactly what happens. And then for three years, they can't even find Elijah. He disappears again. God puts him on a scene. Jehovah is God wants to say something to you. No dew, no rain, no nothing. And it got real dry. And then it got a little chilly a couple of days ago. And I was thinking, I, I honestly wasn't thinking of the scripture or nothing. I was thinking, well, maybe we'll just get some dew out there. Better than nothing. And God tells him through this man of God, not even dew. So then we go down to 1 Kings 18.1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. After three years of no rain, no dew. Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now look what happens. Do a lot of reading, but you just got to see it, hear it. And remember the situation. When you leave here, and you go on the news, and you see this, and you go, man, what is going on? Our nation is crazy. People are crazy, doing crazy things. Jonathan just spoke at Santa Monica College for whatever, I forget what reason why they asked him to speak. 
uh, it was some day towards the latter part of last week. And on Saturday, they have a shooting spree, Santa Monica College, five dead. And they end, up, they end up killing the shooter in the library of the college. And those of you who know Nick Sagono and uh, Jessica Sagono, that's their school. That's where they go. It's insane what's going on at any given moment in this land that we live in. No rain, no doom, no move of God, no mercy. It doesn't seem like any grace. So now we have Elijah. Elijah coming from nowhere, meaning God is Jehovah. So it came to pass, Ahab saw Elijah. Elijah said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Or Ahab said unto him, Aren't you the one that troubles Israel? They're under this tremendous drought. Look what he answered. I have not troubled Israel, but you have. And the Father's house. And that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. That's what's going on in our society now. They're forsaking God. They're turning from God. Our jobs are drying up. Our people are without work. Our stock market is fake and phony. It's going to blow one of these days. They're propping it up with lies and false numbers. So he said, I haven't troubled Israel. It's you and the way you're leading the people. Now therefore, send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, Elijah says. And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. All your corruption, all your leaders, all your appointments, bring them my way, says the man of God. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel, gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now he's addressing 850 non-believers. In a time they just stone rather than look at you. He said, let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. And I will dress the other, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. That's again, out there, someone who has confidence in God. It's absolutely essential we get that confidence back so we can hear from God. Challenge those non-believers. Skip down to verse 30. They spend all that time calling upon God and nothing happens. Elijah said unto the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And that's what you and I got to do. Start repairing the altar that's been broken down. The altar is where you pray. Where you get a hold of God. It's all broken down in our nation. Many churches don't even have church on Sunday night. Don't even have it on Wednesday. So Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar... 
in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. Then he put wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces, laid him on the wood and said, Fill your barrels with water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Now, I'm not some great woodsman, but I just the other day was at Jason's, and I wanted about six pieces of wood in case I ever decide to start a fire. And I just said, what's your driest wood? I didn't go, give me your wettest wood. I mean, at least I knew who knows nothing. Give me something dry that I won't have three hours trying to get started. And so here he is. He's telling them, pour water on it. And so they pour water on it. He goes, that's not a pour enough for Pour more on it. Verse 34, he says, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. He said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time, probably mocking, thinking, man, this guy's an idiot, a fool. Just like they'll say to you and I as we believe God, still in America, that God can get through and have a move. Where others are giving up. Run to the hills, save yourself. It says, and the water ran around about the altar and filled the trench also with water. So everything is drenched, totally drenched. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came there and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Man, can you not just see God up in heaven? Here's this man of God who's out on the limb for God's glory. I can just see God rolling up his sleeve saying, man, watch this. Watch what I'm about to do. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. That's a huge key. If God is going to use this church, we can never rob him of his glory. Never. Or he'll be gone. Because that's what we do. We get a little bit of move, a little bit of success, and then we start being hucksters and like sell it. God moves on. Hear me, hear me, his people say, Know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned the hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the dust, licked up the water that was in the trenches. Now here's the, here's the big mover shaker. Here's the awesome. 39 says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, oh, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. He is God. That's the true mover and shaker. Jezebel ended up was caught hiding up in some, uh, I don't know, some tower, some temple somewhere. They found her. They pushed her out the window. She fell down and the dogs ate her. The great mover and shaker. Jezebel who had all the power, all the Senate, all the Congress, all the votes, all the money, all the positions. Ends up going out the window and the dogs waiting on her. Do you understand? Movers and shakers. God. The final mover and shaker. The ultimate mover and shaker. Isaiah 2.19 says this. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth. 
for fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty when He arises to shake terribly the earth. And that time's coming. And when that starts, you better be on the right side. Because I don't know if you'll be able to make it on the, on, the, on the right side when you're on the wrong side and He starts that shaking. I don't know if you're going to be able to get back over. Verse 20 says, In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold. Buy gold! Buy gold! It's so high! They're going to be casting it out in the streets! In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats. Are you kidding me? To go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of His majesty when He arises or moves to shake terribly the earth. And that's coming. God just let man play in His little game. Ezekiel 38 says this, verse 19, For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. And that's coming. That's coming to all who thumb their nose at God. In our land. God's just looking for the true movers and shakers. For the people that will truly build their altars, cry out to God and see what God does. That's you and I. You've got to start believing this again. Start believing in prayer. Start believing that when you go before God, God's listening. No matter what the world's doing, no matter how powerful they get, no matter if another lose another election. On the top of another, on top of another. Never lose the confidence in bowing your knee and going before Almighty. And we have. The Bible tells us one will chase a thousand. How many is there here? Verse 20, Ezekiel 38 says, So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the faces of the earth shall shake at my presence. They're going to shake. And the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every way shall fall to the ground. The Lord of glory is the ultimate mover and shaker. And He will grant us these victories on the way as we dare to believe and walk out in faith and confidence knowing this is what God wants. That's you, Church of Jesus Christ. That's me. That's us. Together. Knees knocking. Tongue stuttering, yeah, whatever. We can do it. Because what's so wonderful is it's not in my ability to do it. The uh, Wizard of Oz, well, how many characters were there? Uh, Tin Man, the Lion, Scarecrow. Uh, if, if I could act, I could be all three. They just needed one. I could be the tin man. Hard to do it. I don't. Are you kidding me? I could be the cowardly lion. 
and I could be the, no backbone until God gets. And God will do it. Because what he does, he says, when it comes to pass and it's accomplished through a character like this, they will know. They'll be saying, God is God. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. That's why it's the way it is out there. And getting darker and darker and darker. And God's looking for the real movers and shakers that will dare to trust God. God. And you don't fall. And he'll grant you victory. Didn't the Lord say, Martha, Martha, didn't I say to you, if you would believe... What's the rest of that? You would see the glory of God. We're in the same boat. Lord, America's dead. She stinketh. Saints in America, did I not say if you would believe, you'll see the glory of God? Now look, man, I was little in Little League. I fit the title. I was little for a long time. And every pitcher, my dad was the coach. That didn't make it any easier. Every pitcher that I would face looked like Goliath because I was little. But listen, I could play, but I was little. And my dad would tell me over and over and over. Get the bat off your shoulder. Because a lot of times you're just up and three. And he, now I'll say ballistic, but it was a good ballistic. Because he knew I could do it. Didn't degrade me. And so I started going. I mean, they're, they're just, it's intimidating. He would go, way to go. You swung. And I mean, and that's what is God's doing with us. And just like I told you the Rocky thing today, one day I went, <laughs> I expected to be strike three. It hit my bat and went somewhere. <laughs> and then it wasn't long. I was going, I had the confidence and I would hit him. That's where we are. Right now, we're strike three. We don't even get the bat off our shoulder. But God is trying to put this in us so that you, on your own, start to do some little prayer. Simple thing. Just simple, simple, silly thing. Just this last Friday, uh, my, my secretary's on vacation. I get this email, and they want all this stuff run out and all in color, and I'm going... Are you kidding me? One, they didn't have time. Two, I didn't have an idea how to do it. That's what they do, okay, plus other stuff. So I'm like, God, I know this is important and I should say something, but I don't, what am I going to do? I was gone Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in PA doing a funeral. I'm back Thursday. Time's limited. I got two messages on Sunday. You send me this now to make an announcement on Sunday? I'll just try my best. And oh, by the way, i got to go to the bank and get my mother some money. So off I go to the bank. I walk into the bank. 
the bank manager, which they seem like they change every six weeks down here, um, comes up to me and says, hey, how you doing? I'm thinking, oh, hello, hi. I'm trying to read his name because I don't even know who he is. Okay, and he comes up with this freshly made big yellow and blue thing that's sitting out there. And he says, would you put this in your church? And I just almost started laughing because I had no time for it. But I, it did say, God, I know this is important. What am I going to do? I was a banker. I don't even know if the guy's a believer. He comes and gives me this. And he goes, here, could you put this in your church? And I went, oh, yeah, Absolutely. And I tried to tell him, you don't even, he goes, oh, wait a minute. And he goes and runs off 40 more and gives them to me. So I walk out with everything I need. And it's laying out there. I get in my car and I go, God, you're amazing. You're just too amazing. Really uh, insignificant, but God's going, huh? Didn't I tell you? Just take your cuts. And I mean, I wasn't really going, oh, God, I need these. No, I was just going, Lord, what am I going to do? I can't do this. and I'm, I don't got time. I'll just try to make the best announcement I can without showing you anything. It's like, please. So start. Pray as a group. Pray by yourselves. However simple it is, whatever simple task it is. And God did it. Did it through a bank manager of the East Wing. Now, who would have thought that? God did that. He'll do it for us as we start praying and believing God. Your confidence is going to come back, and you're going to start roaring before God. And God's going to start opening doors. Little ones right now, maybe. Just the printing of the stuff that you needed. then the other doors of great effect are going to open. And you're going to have the track record. Well, God came through back then. He came back then. When the lion jumped out, when the bear tried to attack me, who's this full Goliath? You're not going to be going, going who's this chump? We're going to go from wimp to warrior overnight because we don't have time to waste. God's got his hands full with us but he's able. Amen? Amen. All right, let's go before the Lord. We're going to open up this altar, spend some time here. They'll place something appropriate. Let's just pray first. Father, we, we ask you, God, and we're asking you tonight, Lord, that you would start to create this longing inside of us to see this glory, Lord, that we talked about this morning. Father, that you would put the new hearts in us, Lord God, that we would not only have the urgency, but Lord, we would have the hunger. God, give us the hunger again. And Lord, with that hunger, let the, the confidence or the assurance of the Word of God that you will back, Lord God, that which you proclaim through us and with us. Lord, as your saints, as your people of God, those uh, that are your vessels, your instruments are going to come to this altar, Lord. I pray, God, you would anoint their eyes and anoint their ears, Lord God, that they would start having these small, tiny, little victories. And let them know, God, you're doing this. You did it just for them in Jesus' name. Our altars are open. Please take some time. It's really not that late. Take some time. Talk to God. Get that relationship with God. Again, hitting on all eight cylinders.